Hi everyone, we're here on the Stockdale decking for our interviews that we're running through the summer. This is about take 2005, so we're, we're hanging in there. But today we're interviewing Millie. And joking aside, this is the second take. And Millie, last time you, we ran this, there was raw emotion. So if I'm not seeing that this time, I might poke you in the eye or something <laughs> like that. Okay. We'll, we'll start off in a similar vein. I think, I think last time we talked about how's lockdown been for you in terms of just a quick summary of the last four months that'd be fine if you can do that a quick summary quite challenging up and down a lot the thing I've most struggled with is um, not sharing my home my home is is all about having people in and having people to stay and meals and all the rest of it and I've really struggled um, not having people there and and if people do come in, then I'm I, I want to clean everything, and that's not me. It's it's made me into somebody that I'm not, and I don't I don't like that person very much. Yeah. You've mentioned a few times the last couple of weeks how you've actually found it quite um, anxiety inducing to actually go out into the shops and things. Um, how is that at the yeah, moment? Hugely, hugely challenging. Um, I I luckily Tesco's have been marvellous bringing it to me. Um, I did I did manage. 20 minutes in Waitrose just before it closed down for five things and I felt a huge sense of achievement and I said to the lady afterwards oh thank you so much lady on the door and she was a bit bemused I said it's the first time I've been out into a shop <laughs> so you went to Waitrose first that's very sensible I yeah. first experience well I did try Tesco as I got to the door and decided I couldn't face it so I got back in the car and drove home so no but I'm not in any hurry to do it again at all no I'm happy at home gardening this isn't a counselling session but most people would recognise you as someone who's very sort of gregarious, outgoing. So has that kind of surprised you that you've had that level of sort of twitchiness about going out? Yes, hugely. And I think in a way it's been a good thing because I've never really understood anxiety before. And now I think, okay, now I get it. Now I get it. And it might make me a bit more empathetic. So, yeah, I think it's been a learning curve. Yeah. One of the strands that we've been thinking about um, for these interviews is the, the pursuit of God. So just to sort of tap into your spirituality a little bit through lockdown, how have you sort of negotiated that in terms of you, you just your walk with God? I, th I think I seem to remember you talking about journaling a little bit and stuff. But are, are, there, are there ways that you've... Um, yeah. What's helped you? Uh, my faith has helped me hugely in lockdown. And um, yes, journaling. I always... I, I feel I have to get things out of my head and onto paper and it's quite a mismatch of thoughts. And when I look back, it's it's amazing how God works and, and draws things together in unexpected ways. And I always feel bad feeling surprised by God, but, but oh, wow, did that, wow. That, that's a constant in, in my life. Um, Sorry, just for the benefit of people who think, journaling, what's that? What does that look like for you? Is it literally just dumping thoughts onto a piece of paper? What, what are yes, you doing? Yes, it is. I've got, I think I'm on my third book now I have they, they have to be nice books it's important that they're nice books oh definitely and um <laughs> yeah and sometimes it's a mind map sometimes it's a list of prayer things and sometimes it's literally and just an outpouring of I need to kind of get some clarification of my thoughts and and often it's just it all knits together which yeah surprises me and it shouldn't <laughs> So it's, a kind of, it's almost a means of helping you see God's fingerprints yeah. kind of over what's going on. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Brilliant. We'll shift gear a little bit because I, I think a lot of people in church will know you for being a bit of an advocate for Link to Hope. 
Um, but not everyone will know actually how you, how you got there, how you had that connection with them. So do you want to take us right back to the very beginning where, where you first encountered Lintahope? When I was open? young and carefree, <laughs> I, um, I was watching Challenge Annika um, and she went to an orphanage in northern Romania and it was, it was quite shocking. And uh, at the end of the programme, they had an address that you wrote to if you were interested. So I wrote to this place and they, they invited us up to Birmingham and showed us videos and told us stories. And I actually had to go out at one point because I was so upset. It was really hard to see, but I ended up going out there every summer. I worked at a school, so every summer I'd go and work out there and it was just life-changing, incredible, challenging, upsetting, brilliant. I was just um, a whirlwind of emotion really. And it really set a seed in me. Um, I loved it. And when I had the children, obviously I couldn't go anymore. Um, and mum's church were doing shoeboxes for what was then Link Romania. So I did a shoebox and took it down to Sussex, um, dropped it off somewhere, which was um, a bit of a mismatch of organisation. <laughs> so I decided maybe, <laughs> I decided maybe I, um, if people drop boxes off at, at my house, it would be easier than people from this locality would get the chance to do a shoebox. So um, that started soon after um, and, and grew. And I actually went to a conference of Link Romania. It was changing its name to Link to Hope. And I was blown away. I thought it was just shoeboxes, but it's not. It's so much more. It's all sorts of projects and shoeboxes are actually a key into um, communities, which I found now I take the working parties out and have been out there numerous times over the years. And the new place that we're working in Moldova came out of a shoebox delivery trip that really resonated with me. And actually three people from that trip um, came back at different times and said, we've got to go back to that place. We've got to go back to that place. And, and um, I did a bit of searching and, and found this place that we had to go back to. And actually one of the missionaries there had asked for help unbeknown to me um, of other Moldovans. And they said, we can't do anything. We don't know what to do. And so again, it all dovetailed into now this is where our sort of focus is at the moment. My focus is Link to Hope has got lots of projects yeah. everywhere, but, but um, it's a very special place. Yeah. And because you've um, actually experienced watching people open their shoeboxes quite a few times, haven't you? I know you've got so many stories, but what's kind of the one that comes to the forefront of your mind when you think about those memories of actually being there when they're opening them? Have you got something that oh, you could... So many. It, it sounds sort of corny, but when the lid comes off the box, you can actually feel the love come out of the box. And when people look in, they... Well, first of all, you have to persuade them to open it because it's like treasure and they just want to treasure it. Um, and when they open it, they can't believe, it almost doesn't sink in that um, somebody has taken the time and the trouble to make them a gift. Just that in its own is a gift. It almost doesn't matter what's in it. But so many times you'll go and if they do take something out, if it's sweets, they'll unwrap them and they'll give one to you. Or one man had a scarf and he wrapped it around my neck. I can't, I can't take your scarf. Um, but he wanted me to have the scarf. So we were doing other trips around. So actually the scarf went to somebody else. But they want to bless you with the little that they've got. But I think one that really got to me, we went to an, a, a lady who was mid-70s. And she said, is this, is this for me? Is this for me? And we said, well, yes, it's a gift. She said, I've, I've never had a gift before. I've never had a gift. Wow. So we spend a lot of time blubbing on shoebox trips. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
I don't want to sort of squeeze this in in a contrived way, but we've been thinking about justice a little bit as well. When when you think of that thing you've just described, it, does that feel in your thinking? Is that a justice issue, or is it? Some, do you kind of see it slightly differently to that? I guess it 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 is an injustice. I struggle with with my life here and the contrast over there. I struggle with what I have and how I live and have feelings, not not guilt, but it doesn't sit well with me. And one year I came back from Moldova in a terrible state and actually a member of St. John saw me. Just, I, I think I tried to go to a shop and couldn't go in. And he said, Millie, what you've got to realise is that God put you here with what you have so that you can use it. That's why you're, that's why you live where you do with, and, and that has really stuck with me. Um, so yes, I think it is an injustice issue. And I'm just so pleased that God chose me to do something to make a bit of a difference. So emotionally, is there kind of anger in there at all in, in terms of firing, motivating you in terms of saying, oh, this isn't right, or is there something else? No, going? sorrow. Okay. I think not anger. No, I, it, it, it breaks my heart. Okay. It doesn't make me angry. Yeah. But yeah, what, there's a song, there's a song that we sing about break my heart for what breaks yours. And that is, that's, that's it for me. Yeah. And with kind of your involvement with Link to Hope and, you know, going out and actually being with those people as well and being on the working party, um, this big question, but what has it taught you about God or um, about your relationship with God and, and kind of what's it shown you in your faith, if that makes sense? There's quite a few different <laughs> points that you could take from yeah. that question. <laughs> I think it, it re-energises my faith when I see their dependency on God. They are totally dependent on God. So when we go to church in Danku, and they'll pray and they're, they're in tears and they're crying out to God. And it might be, it might be with thanks or it might be in need, but actually their faith is their absolute bedrock. And when I talk to them, they're like Millie at the moment. So at the moment they're praying for rain because they have no rain for the crops. So people are going hungry if they don't get rain soon. It's a massive, massive problem out there. Um, so I always, I always say when we come back, I, I bring back so much more than we, we might take suitcases full of shovels and axes and hammers and toys and all sorts of clothes or whatever. But actually what they give us spiritually and in friendship and love and what they teach us is way more than we could ever do for them. Way more. You hinted at it a little bit earlier. That, that sense of often when you come back from a trip over there, you have all sorts of feelings sterling, swirling around. Over the years, what have you done with those? Have you have you learnt to sort of bend them to a positive end or does it just leave you feeling like, oh, I don't know what to do with this feeling? Uh, it's hard coming back. It's always hard. And I think it gets harder each time. It's harder. And when my friends were over in January, when Mihai and his friends left, I was broken because it's like the connection's gone again. And it's, yeah, um, I, I desperately miss it, but it galvanises more onto actions. Like, right, come on, Millie, right, now what? What's the next thing? What's the next thing? And, you know, I have been praying about that in lockdown because I've been really conscious that there is the next thing. And like, well, well, what? We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. I'm meant to be out in Moldova this week. So what? what is it, God? And I have no idea at all. And then um, it came... Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Mihai was visiting um, a family, giving out food parcels, which Linked Hope have been supplying. And he went to a family 
and there was a mum there, the dad had died with cancer, and four children, this, this high, <laughs> um, walking around naked because she didn't have any money for washing powder, so she couldn't wash their clothes. So um, if they didn't wear any clothes, it saved on washing. And this really upset him. He was in bits. And from this, an idea was born. So the centre that I've taken the working parties out to the last three years or so, um, we've had an idea to do washing machine ministry there. So to buy two washing machines for the centre and then um, people who are either too poor, they can't wash their clothes or don't have any money or even um, the elderly, the isolated, the lonely, they can come down to the centre so they'll have their clothes washed and, you know, be fed spiritually and just have a friendship and receive love. So it's just, it's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Washing machine ministry. Washing machine. The sun. Yeah, I love so, yeah. it. I just love it. And in Moldovan, it's machine de splat. For me, I, this isn't the question. It's just that thing of actually turning what can, when you look at it, feel like a massive problem. And I think we've had a few of those thrown up during lockdown and then turning it into, okay, there's some, there are some steps we can take, even if they feel really little, yeah. but actually we can do something. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the encouraging bit from that, isn't it? Absolutely, we can all make a massive, massive difference. There's a Mother Teresa, I adore Mother Teresa and everything she stood for and her, her heart and her humility and how she she was equal to everybody that she that she saw. She just wanted to give and love those people, however desperate they were or however, um, I, I don't know, not, not not approachable, I suppose, because maybe they, you know, leprosy or whatever. She, she saw beyond all of that and saw Jesus in them. And that, I found that really inspiring. And I've got a lot of books by her and I love that she was known for speaking little, but when she spoke, it kind of got you. And I, I did scribble because I know I get it wrong if I, <laughs> so she said, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I think that's, I find that really exciting and you know, the ministry in Moldova, this, this washing machine ministry came out from just a shoebox and the idea of that. So already it's just reaching people and growing and, and yeah. And I feel excited to be put in a position where I can be involved in that and help facilitate it. And um, Morton's prayers a couple of weeks ago were brilliant. And again, I was sitting there writing down, I guess I do during service, <laughs> and I was writing down and Morton's prayers are perfect. And he said, all that we have comes from you. We have no right to hang on to it. Help us to use it for your glory. And for me, that speaks volumes into my life and my lifestyle and what I have to hold it lightly and bless people through shoeboxes or washing machines or whatever it is. So, yeah. Millie, I think that's a perfect note on which yeah. to, to finish. I will say no more. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>